Today is Pentecost, the third of the sort of triple crown, you know, Christmas, Easter, Pentecost. It's the birthday of the church. It's the time when the Holy Spirit very clearly comes to make the church one and to dwell inside each one of us, to touch us, to hold us, to give us words, to let us know what forgiveness really means, to give us joy and help in pain and suffering, to help us have the power to work for justice, to give us joy and to see our life, not as though it ends in our death, but as though it goes through for eternity because we are infinite souls made by God. That's what this day is about. Pentecost, the Holy Spirit. You just can't get better than that. You just cannot get better than that. And here's the thing that I... I have to tell you, I've tried not to lie from this pulpit. I certainly have, certainly. I'm sure I've lied a number of times. (laughs) I I told my friend who might preach for me sometime in Beverly Hills, I said, you just have to check that I haven't stolen one of your sermons before you start. (laughs) Who's perfect? Are you perfect? Let's get over that. Now, the Holy Spirit has got to come to those who are weak. Actually, there's a quote. Paul is so good with this. He's so good with being in touch with his own, his own weakness, but also with his own ability to use power. Because the Holy Spirit and Pentecost is about power. It's about peace, but it's also about power. And Paul says, I will all the more gladly boast of my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. The power comes through weakness, through, through surrender, through the giving up, and then the filling, the cross, and then the resurrection. Do you get it? That's what it's all been about. And what does the world think? The world thinks first the resurrection, and then maybe we'll mention the cross later. Let's see if we can bear it. You know, there's a missionary, and he was in Africa trying to translate the word faith. He didn't have a word for it, and he, he didn't know how to get to the word. So finally what he did was he got on a chair, and he leaned back on the chair to the point where the chair might have fallen down. And he said, what's the word for this? What's the word for, for leaning back so far but being sure you're not going to fall on your face? And they gave him a word, and he said, that was the word for faith. Trust, leaning back till, till you trust in God entirely, and the creation of the space for the power of God to invade your soul, even yours. It's always hard to believe it could be us. It must be fancy people. It, it has to be fancy people. It, it can't be people like us. But when you think about it, when you think about the disciples, who they were, who Christ came to, we we think about Judas, who betrayed Christ. We think about Peter, who denied him three times. We think about his three friends, who when he needed them the most, they fell asleep. Imagine that. What a nightmare. And then, when he finally was crucified. They ran like the dickens and hid out in a room and shut the door. 
And if that's not you and me, who does that describe? Yet when the Spirit came upon the disciples at Pentecost, Peter stood up and preached a sermon to 3,000 people. Where could have he gotten these words? Where did they come from? What could that power possibly come from? Except the Spirit of God working through Peter who knew the woundedness of Christ, his own woundedness, and understood for the first time that that is where the power was located. And seeing that, he proclaimed it with full force. This is the story of our life. This is the story of the power of God. And Jesus says to us, and this is where it's hard to say, and I don't want to lie to you, the world does not understand this. We cannot go into the regular world, into the America that we understand into most of the institutions and bureaucracies that we are a part of and tell them to release power so that they will become strong? What do they do? They fill up their lives with bureaucracy and paperwork. One would make you think that to get a good rector for this church after I depart, you should fill out every form in the world. And then make sure that those forms go to the right people and that they open up those letters and then they have to fill out an enormous amount of crap and send it to you. And then you better read every little bit of it. Boy, will that work. Boy, has that, boy, has that made a great school system, hasn't it? Oh, boy. We've been going so far with that kind of answer. With the answer of the law... The answer of the law, the word of your parents who told you, don't take any risks, don't fall down, you'll cut yourself. Don't fall down, don't, hey, get good grades, make money, otherwise nobody's going to take care of you. Certainly I won't. And justice, well, justice is for those who work for it. Those who just, yeah, they better just get together because we don't know what to do about them except make a lot of rules. More and more rules, pounding, pounding, more and more rules, gates, borders, walls, names of countries, names of things, all to give us power where no power can ever be found, where no power has ever been found. People come to me and they say to me, you're an artist. Oh, Janet, it's so, this is kind of an insult. I know it's kind of an insult, but I pretend I don't know it. Janet, you're such an artist. It's so fun to listen to you. You're kind of all over the place, but then we get there. (laughs) Just imagine if that was a romantic relationship. You know what the the real deal is? You know the real deal is? The real deal is that what Christ did, what Jesus did, what God did on Pentecost was he made us all artists. I'm not the artist. You're the artist, you fool. Didn't you ever know that? You're painting the picture, not me. 
It comes out of your heart, not mine. I don't give it to you so you suck it up and feed it back to me. That's like some dreadful school system. Some, oh, please save me from that. No, a great woman of education wrote a book in the 1940s for what she called progressive education, which is now understood, certainly was understood long before it. The name of the book was called, I Learn From Children. What a tremendous idea. I learn from children, not I teach them. Because she began to discover that children were innately curious, curious about the world, curious about everything they saw, and had brilliant things to say. And I just want you to know, you are still children. And I learned from you, and the growth that I've had here at St. Peter's, and certainly you've seen it, both in terms of my growing in my capacity to have grace and understanding and in my ability to lose 80 pounds. And I've gone both ways. You've seen, you've seen, you've seen both of it, right? You've seen, all, you've seen it all. But it's all been not about what I am able to give, but what I have been able to receive. I wrote a friend last night. I said, I have no sermon. I don't know what in God's name to do. I've been thinking about it endlessly. How do I say goodbye? And she said, what are you, crazy? They don't, they want to love you. Well, this I am not good at. Are you? The Holy Spirit is about the creation of a place in our hearts which fills in the area of the greatest need of our own cross, written on our own hearts by our own tragedies. There is at Washington Square Park an, a, 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 a um, what do you call that, a monument. There's a monument down at the bottom of Fifth Avenue. And... I'm sure it's been taken over by NYU now and abandoned and bureaucratically destroyed. But, but it used to just be a monument, you know. And what was great about it was you could take a rubber pink ball and you could throw this rubber pink ball as hard as you possibly could at the monument and it would fly out and we played, this is how we played baseball. A little ridiculous, but this is how you do it in the city. And there was first base and second base and third base. And sometimes you'd take that pink and you'd whack it and you'd get a grounder and you'd get to first. And sometimes you'd take that pink and you'd whack it and you'd pop up, fly, and somebody'd catch it right away, which would be a disaster. But my father told me, and I watched him play, every once in a while, that pink would hit the perfect crack. The magical place on Washington Square Arch. And that pink ball would zoom. And it'd be like a home run. It would be a home run. And people have to go and look for that ball. And who could predict such a thing? Whose muscles or arms could ever figure out where that crack would be? Who could ever practice to come to that place? That was the spirit. That was the Holy Spirit home run. And everybody clapped for joy when that home run came. 
And that home run, that home run is possible for you and for me. What I've wanted to tell you all these years in such a way that I could convince you that Jesus is real, that it really did happen, that God sent his only son and that he came here, that he dwelt with us and he taught us things. But more than that, he took upon himself on the cross the sins of the whole world. And that in that, we are free to take risks we never could have imagined. And now he sends the advocate, the Holy Spirit. And you are real, and it dwells in you. As a little boy, and he went to a diner. What will I miss most about New Jersey? The diner. <laughs> Eggs and Eggs and bacon. What do you think? Why, why do you eat that? Eggs and bacon. So anyway, he goes to the diner and the, there's a, a, a waitress. And he says, uh, the, the, he comes, the, comes over and the mother says, he'll have the uh, family vegetable plate. And the waitress uh, looks at him and he says, and she says, you'd like a hot dog? And he goes, yeah. And so the mother says, he will have the family vegetable plate. And she says, you want mustard or relish on that? <laughs> and uh, she said, as if, who, what, what's happening here? She said, he will have the family vegetable plate. And she says, and you want some chips on the side? And so finally the waitress leaves. She's got the order now and she's ready to leave the, the table. And uh, the mother's going to get up. She's furious. She to get up. She's, she's paying the bill here. She's the guy, right? And so she gets up to tell the waitress what's going on. And the little boy yells to her and says, Mommy, please, please don't. She thinks I'm real. Mommy, please don't. You are real. It is your heart, the spirit working through you. It is you God loves. Not, not to be led by some dictatorial insanity, but to have a burning desire in your heart to love Jesus, to go wherever Jesus sends you. To know that that will be a joyful place. Never to avoid pain or suffering. To be totally, actually unsurprised when it comes to you. And this is so critical with the Holy Spirit. I remember when my, uh, I, I won't keep going, but I just have to say, because we must, we must face the fact that this church and this community, we've been through suffering and we've been through pain. And we're not spreading the Holy Spirit on top of it. We're acknowledging it. So after my father died of cancer, only nine months later, my mother was diagnosed with lung cancer. And uh, what a nightmare. Can you imagine? So we had buried him and then we were in the same waiting room that we'd been in where we found out my father was going to die, waiting to find out whether my mother was going to die. And the surgeon took a desperately long time, and you know what that's like, and finally came out, 
and said, uh, look, we have a chance. We've got a boundary. I, I, I think there's a 50% chance. It may not come back. As a matter of fact, it didn't for 15 years. But we didn't know it then. We, we decided that we would go and try to buy the most expensive champagne that we could. We found a liquor store. There's no place around Yale New Haven to sit and have a picnic. So we found ourselves in the middle of that, one of that little sort of grassy knoll that they make that the cars circle around when they deliver people to the hospital. We didn't have cups, so we opened the champagne bottle to attempt to drink it. 50%, you know, is not enough. I wanted 95%. I would take 50, though. It was worse. I thought she was just going to die. But I remember the words that my brother spoke to me. He said, so I suppose in your Christian faith, because you have been praying that now you're happy about this result. But what about the fact that she got the cancer to begin with? Oh, faith come, come, I never thought of such a thing. The, the cross, the pain, the misery, the suffering of this world is where Christians walk straight toward that place, knowing all the time that that is not the final word, not because of some result, but because God has put into each one of us the blessed Holy Spirit. And whatever the outcome, God's glory would be with us now and in heaven. So I want to give you that faith. I want to give it to him, and I believe that it was a great question he asked. It's a question we all ask. He was right to ask it. We ask it in our hearts. But here is the thing. I'm going to pray for you today at the altar when you receive communion. And I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And just recently, here at St. Peter's, the Spirit has been very, very active. And I'm astounded by how, how active it's been. And I, I prayed, as you, I've, I've been telling you that there have been some amazing healings and signs and wonders. And you saw when Jesus says, well, if you don't believe because you think I'm with the Father, then at least believe because of the things that you see. And one woman said to me just recently, I don't know, when you prayed for me, I felt like there's ginger ale all over my body. And then she sent me a text yesterday. She said, I'm still feeling ginger ale. I want you to feel the Holy Spirit today, not just with your head, but with your heart. And I want the artist in you to take its risks. And lastly, I want to thank you for the way in which you have loved this poor sinner with all of my troubles and problems. What an astounding thing that you called someone like me to be here with you. Very few merits of my own, truly. I didn't learn to read till I was 13. I still have to have everybody proof everything, or it comes out like I didn't go to school. 
I have all the problems anyone's ever had, and some worse than most. But because of your faith and because of your love, you allowed this church to begin to risk and to expand into the community, to take risks with our space, with our people, to welcome all sorts of folks who have made our lives so much richer and better. And you have done that for me and for my family and for my son James and for my daughter Hannah and even, God help me, for my ex-husband Joe. (laughs) Amen. Amen.